Being an entrepreneur isn't for everybody. And that's the thing. It's totally 100% okay without question if you love to freelance and that's what you love to do. Like stay in your space that you enjoy. And if that's what you enjoy, then 100% commit to it. Hey, welcome everybody. Back again here on the podcast show. What's the trend, everybody? And today we're going to have a very special interview guest on the show, Leela Crawford, an inspiring artist, designer, entrepreneur, businesswoman, and the mom of four children. So today we're going to talk about her journey of how she had to overcome the obstacles in her private life through divorce, through marriage, through raising children, and obviously much more in depth, her astonishing career in business when building relationships and her design career on her practical advices to young starters, to creative professionals out there in the marketplace trying to build something for themselves. Listen to her. This is a very inspiring episode. And we're going to have all these chapters laid down as certain chapter marks. So if you scroll down in the description, you should see now the new updates. If you don't, well, we need to fix this. But you should see the certain chapters. We're going to talk about her background, her her process on how to build relationships. And I'm going to go into the design background where I'm going to ask a couple questions that are maybe contradicting. So tune in and stay awesome. And we're heading right now with the intro and then let's go. See you guys. Welcome to What's the Trend, the honest podcast show. On the show, we talk about the latest trends today and present opportunities so you can take action. With daily episodes, all you need to do is tune in and give it a five-star rating. We talk about the fundamentals of branding to build your brand and crush your business. We talk about business from a completely different side. Also about human behavior and provide viable skills and mindset hacks. Every single week, we want to bring you real inspiring business practitioners on the show. My name is Nicholas Polito, who came from a small town in Germany to the United States. One year ago, I left everything behind to explore my potential and make an impact. Moved to Chicago, started with nothing, and now in the process of building a branding agency. As a brand designer with passion for design and businesses, I help businesses to build their brand. We, as a team, provide the all-in solution for branding and a solid action plan. For more information, check out our website. Thanks for tuning in. The episode starts now. So guys, we're back on a podcast show and let's start off the interview with Leela Crawford and let's give her a hands up for coming on the show and coming on a podcast. So Leela, um, thanks for making a time to you. Thanks for coming on the show and um, for the people who never... Uh, heard about you before just give us a quick intro on who you are amazing so what's up guys my name is Lila Crawford Benson and I am a graphic and web designer and social media strategist I'm the head creative over at Rooted Sparrow Design and Marketing and uh, I've been in this space now just shy of eight years started out um, in photography and ended up getting a bachelor's in design and finishing a master's I'm actually in my last five weeks right now which is pretty exciting in IO psychology and um, just continue to grow to grow my business design related and, and and marketing and have had a blast doing it throughout these past seven years and then recently um, back in it's been, I think since February um, we we launched a talk show as well in a business incubator so that's kind of been our our second baby and working in um, mentoring up and coming entrepreneurs and small business owners and helping them to achieve a level of success so that's uh 
that's kind of my background. Besides that, I am a mom of four, 10, seven, five, and two. When I homeschool, obviously the oldest three, the two-year-old isn't quite homeschooling yet. Um, and so that's been a blast as well. So we spend a lot of time together and work from home and just have worked really hard to design a life of freedom and uh, expansion. So yes, yeah, so that's a little intro to me. Wow, that's awesome, Lila. And uh, that, that sounds really impressive, actually. And uh, I know for a fact that you have a very unique background story. Um, most people probably can't comprehend. So would you mind sharing us a little bit about that story? What got you where you are today and what decisions you made that kind of impacted um, where you are right now, essentially? Such a loaded question, but a really, really good one. And one that um, has taken me a long time to really openly talk about, I think, because you go through this process of sort of understanding your journey and why it's so powerful and why you have to own where you've been and how you've gotten to the place that you are. And so for me, I was a figure skater for 17 years and I had a a real strong passion from the time I was, I mean, little, but really by, by the time I hit 10, that I was going to make an Olympic team and um, put my whole life and all of my effort into it and ended up having three hip surgeries in my back fused um, within consecutive surgeries over about a two-year period and got back on the ice and realized that what my mind wanted, what my heart wanted, my body physically was not capable of doing anymore. And I had to, you know, take a step forward and decide what was the next thing that I was going to do. And my next, you know, I, I kind of have always been one of those extroverted introverts to laugh, you know, being someone who's um, <laughs> has that base in psychology. And uh, I always had two loves, art and medicine. And, and the analytical side and also the creative side has, has always been present for me. So I, I left the skating world and I thought, I think I'm going to pursue medicine. And, um, and I really wanted to go to medical school. And so I started to position myself in that standpoint and ended up um, getting pregnant not too long after that. And I had this like real heart to heart with myself and said, you know, cause you have to remember, I was never the type of person. If you don't know me, um, I love kids. I love other people's kids. That was kind of always my take, but having kids myself was never like this really grand vision, not because I didn't love them, but because I had a vision of, you know, working like doctors without borders and, you know, just really focusing on my career. And so when I found out I was pregnant, I thought to myself, okay, you know what, if I want to be a mom going to medical school I don't think is going to be the vision I have for how I want to be a mom. And that's not to say that other people haven't totally rocked motherhood, but I was uh, 18 years old at the time, was not married. And I knew that the transition wasn't going to be ideal with, with this little human that I was growing. So I took a step back and I said, okay, I need to redirect where I'm going to go with this. And I decided to then focus on my second passion, which was art and, uh, you know, graphic design knocked on the door and I accepted. Um, and so, so throughout that process over five years, I ended up, um, getting married and divorced. I, uh, had, um, Ella and Remington in that time frame. So when I was divorced, I was finishing my last year of my undergraduate program with a three and one year old, which was pretty tough. It was a tough transition in my life. Um, and then not long after I was super blessed and met my now husband, which, you know, it's funny how something, some, times things just totally align and you're not expecting it and so now together we have um I have my older one who's my I like to call her my bonus kid um because she was from my husband's previous marriage and then my two from my previous marriage and our two-year-old together so we just kind of all come together and collaboratively <laughs> become you know a collective whole and it's been an amazing process but it was a really really long journey to get to this point you know to go through a lot of turmoil loss change of direction 
you know, teen pregnancy, still deciding I could do it and get my degree. And I did, I got my undergrad and going through a divorce and getting remarried. You know, there's, you don't, you don't look at your life and say, I think this is going to be my journey, you know, but sometimes things just happen and you have to accept it with gratitude for the lessons it teaches you and use it as fuel to move you forward. And that's my approach that I've taken so much with my own journey. Really? Wow, that sounds so impressive. But my first question is going to be this. How is that even possible that you were able to manage all the things that were going on in your life? You know, I, I get that question a lot. And honestly, I've been able to now kind of look at it as almost a science and how I get my day done at this point in my life. Um, but I will tell you, it comes a lot with discipline. And being in the figure skating world, despite not you know, reaching my goals and attaining the accomplishments I wanted to there, I don't regret any of it. And I do it all over again, even with the surgeries, the, the discipline and the mentality to go after whatever it is you want 100% all of the time was ingrained in me from before I can really remember um, from training. And so for me, I just knew that if I didn't quit, I would reach the end. And no matter how difficult it got, if I didn't quit, I would still get there, you know? And so I really just, every, every emotional roller coaster that happened that I went through, I just kept saying, I have to focus on the goal. I have to focus on the goal. And I think the big thing is it's translated everything in life. And for us as entrepreneurs, small business owners, it really translates as well in that if we really know what our goals are, we will not easily fall off track. You know, if we're really rooted in our goals and that comes back to being rooted in our why. And I tell people, everyone's like, know your why, know your why, know your why. But in the reality, that why has to be so personal to you that when you think about it, it makes you cry to not achieve it and in, in, in heartache that you didn't get it. And so that just pushes me through pretty much, I, I can tell you pretty much through all of that difficulty I went through with those, you know, with my divorce and, and my littles and being in school that I knew I couldn't quit because I had to do this for them, but also for myself because I set a goal. And now looking at it really, um, I, uh, to give you actionable steps, because I'm all about giving you action too, if you're at a point, mm, you know, sure. in your life, um, I use the Eisenhower method, uh, really now to, to do tasks. And it's a lot about prioritizing, saying no to what's not important and saying yes to what is important and making sure that it's important and it's a priority and not just from a, um, a monetary standpoint, but also from an emotional standpoint. So if it doesn't serve you. If it doesn't serve me or you, you know, when you're looking at your tasks, it's not something that goes on that task list. Uh, so I think it's learning also how to say no to the wrong, to even to things that might be okay, but they just are not in total alignment and saying yes to the things that actually propel you forward. And I really think that that um, has stuck with me throughout my journey as well as just knowing what to commit to, you know, and how to, and how to break up my time in brackets. But the Eisenhower method is incredible as an action step for anyone that's looking to really delegate their time. Um, outwardly to other people that can help them and then focus on the priorities and the tasks that they're, that's within their zone of genius that they're really good at. Fantastic. So, so now the next part I want to get into is relationships. Now I've noticed that you have kind of unique style with connecting with people and you're obviously really talented in building and creating relationships within your audience with uh, obviously also in business. So what are some essential things you need to know when you start building relationships? That's a good question. That's a good question. You know, so for me, um, I'm going to give you the practical actionable steps on how to start a business and relationship building. And then I'm also going to give you a little bit of the emotional side for me so that you have both. Cause I think it's good to have 
the practical information, but also the emotions that go with it because we yeah. have to be very clear about both sides. So for me, my father has owned his own business for over 40 years. My grandfather um, was in business for um, his entire life, never, ever worked for anyone else in his ever. <laughs> um, and yeah. And so I, I grew up in a, in a and my, my grandmother on my dad's side, um, she's always had some type of business running. And so I grew up in a family that was very entrepreneurial minded. Now, that's not to say everyone that in my family was, but if you look on both sides, there are just every other person almost as a business owner. And it's quite impressive. Um, and so it's one of those things where I knew, even if I had, let's, no matter what path I chose, let's say I had decided to go to medical school. I never looked at going to medical school that I would work for somebody else. I looked that I would own my own practice and do a lot of mental health research. That's where my passion was really in alignment with um, the majority of the time. So I always looked at starting a business with my own approach. And I think it's what has defined me um, and my business a lot differently than others is that I have taken my own approach, even despite having the encouragement of family and support there in starting a business. But at the same time, um, business changes. And so what worked for my dad 40 years ago isn't going to work now. And so there's two things I will tell you if you're getting started in business and building relationships. One, it's that you need to surround yourself with a group of people who, yes, support you, but two are able to tell you when you're doing something wrong and you're open to accepting it. And this is so important because if you have everyone telling you that you're doing everything right all of the time and you're not seeing results, then you have people that are a little bit too close to you to actually give it to you how it really is. And this is important to growth because we have to fail fast and fail forward. And if we don't see, if we don't see that like the train, that the light coming at the end of the tunnel is a train <laughs> because there isn't someone there that's mentoring us and telling us that we really stall our own growth. And so the first valuable piece of advice I give anybody that's getting ready to start a business is you need to find a group and a community of leaders who are already doing what you want to do and follow them relentlessly. And, you know, and the thing is, if it doesn't work, and let's say you do it for 90 days or six months and their style doesn't work, you learned a lot, right? Now go find somebody else's style and try theirs and focus in on what they're doing. But one of the biggest mistakes new businesses make, a couple of them, first, they follow too many people at one time and get very confused. Because different people have different systems that get them results and success. It doesn't make one right over the other, but it does make you have to take a close look and say, me as a person, how do I want to do business? What makes me different? And who is doing something similarly? That's who you need to go follow and find and, and really stick close to and eventually set your sights on having them mentor you, right? Which is going to be a financial investment for the value you want to receive. Um, the second thing is you must, must, must understand that going into your business does not mean, and, and launching a business does not mean having a logo or having a website or, or having, um, you know, beautiful visuals. What it does mean is having a business model. And I see this as a graphic web designer, right? And as a social media strategist, when someone comes to me and says, I want a logo and I want a, you know, and I want a website and I, I want visuals. Okay, great. What's your, what's your mission? What are your goals? What's your brand strategy? What's your story? What's your why? What's pushing you to do this? You know, Who's your ideal customer? Have you done your market research? So these are things that are really important. Are you in a blue ocean or are you in a red sea? You know, are you amongst um, a community of people that are already doing what you're doing the exact same way? What makes you different? You know, how can you package what you're doing differently? These are all really important fundamental steps that a lot of entrepreneurs miss. They launch really, really fast, which launching fast is okay if you have a position in mind. But if you launch a business based on someone else's business model, that's not your own, 
you're not going to move fast at all. In fact, you're, you're going to take about 10 steps backwards before you start moving forwards. And so those would be my two pieces of advice from an emotional standpoint, having that community around you that's also not afraid to tell you when you're making mistakes and you need to fix it and change it. But then also positioning yourself strategically and saying, how can my business, you know, leverage, how can I leverage the market and how's my business different from what's already out there? Ah, that's interesting. But my question on that would be, um, how do I actually find this community that kind of elevates me to the next level? How do I go by that? Because someone might say like, yeah, easy for you to say, but how do I actually practically uh, apply that? So, and I will tell you, I always remain the student, right? That's, that's always my approach. So I still am always looking um, to level up myself personally, because when I level up my mindset and myself, I'm always leveling up my business. It seemed to follow behind. So for me, um, I learned very quickly that being at events and getting close to people, whatever events, whatever business you're in, whatever networking you're able to do, you know, even the free stuff, if you know somebody that's going to be there and you don't have the financials yet to, to really invest into going to an event, but there's going to be a meetup or even if you're like your local chamber of commerce or whatever you have around you that you can go to where you can congregate and mingle with other like-minded business owners, it's immediately going to help position you and, and say, you know, let's say you are interested in having an e-commerce store. Okay. Let's just say that's someone's vision. They want to have drop shipping on e-commerce. Your ideal clients or your ideal, um, your ideal client avatar, right, is something you have to figure out. It, it's, maybe it's women and they love to shop and, you know, they love jewelry and they love whatever it might be. So you go through this whole process and you're like, I want to launch my business. But you actually don't really know where to start or who to help you. This is why finding these people is so important. So let's say there's an event coming up and it's all about drop shipping. You're going to want to go to that event because I guarantee you people are going to be there who started where you're at right now that you're going to rub shoulders with and you're going to gain so much valuable advice from. And then when you leave that event, you connect with them on Facebook or on LinkedIn or, you know, wherever else you're at on Instagram and you start to build a relationship. And before you know it, they're introducing you to more people within that same circle. And you're starting to learn more from even, you know, other, even other niches within drop shipping, but there's so many behind the scenes tools, ticks, trip, ticks, sorry, trips and tips. Uh, I can't speak <laughs> tips and tricks tips and tricks that you can learn from them because they're in that circle. So for me, I knew right away going to events, being around leaders, being around people who were very serious about their small businesses and entrepreneurs who were very serious about growth, um, being in the service industry really is so much about relationship building. And I knew the place to do that was to surround myself in different events um, that were happening locally. I've even traveled out of state numerous times for events. Um, and once you're in those events, you know, a lot of times this is a cool thing that people have started doing. From those events, they start a group. And so then you get to be in this group because you attended the event. So everybody you met there, you start to get to mingle with and your circle starts to grow. But it actually, as it grows, you'll find that it gets a little bit smaller in the sense that yes, you have more friends, right? You have more people you're connecting with, but you have a smaller sense of who you really need to be close to. And that's how you can kind of start to look at who you want your mentor to be. Ah, that's interesting. So, so what's a practical approach here when, when it comes to networking and connecting with people? When somebody is, for instance, a graphic designer, should he uh, preferably network with like-minded graphic designers who may be far ahead or uh, future clients that may benefit of his services that he can provide? What's the logical or more practical approach? So just getting started, it would depend on where your skill set's at. So I would encourage both. Um, if you have a very um, 
you have a very low level skill set, my first encouragement to you is to find, because I did this myself, okay, is to find somebody who is at least three steps ahead of you and try to work under them. And I know that's really hard, you guys. Like, you want to come out of the gate. And this, this specifically speaks to the design industry um, because there's so much bad design floating around. And it's not because um, people aren't trying, but it's because they didn't really have that mentor. They went to school, they got their degree, and they came out and they're like, okay, I learned to design but you didn't really learn the applications of design until you actually do them and deliver product over and over and over and over again. And your eyes start to see little things you never saw before when you were in school. And it's what sets an okay designer apart from an incredibly good designer. And so my first, my first tip to those of you starting in the design space is very saturated and it's very saturated with mediocre designers. There's plenty of room to be really good. But if you want to be really good, you have to have to find a mentor that is either willing to take you on as a junior designer or, or mentor you in the sense of private instruction on things to look for as you're learning to design. Graphic design now is such a huge scope of what you have to know how to do, what your skill set has to be, that it's hard to be very good at everything overnight. It takes a lot of time and effort. Um, and so, so it's twofold. You really do need to find a designer that's, a, that's ahead of you. Um, that can help you and to know where to price yourself. This is another big issue. If you don't have that mentor within that space for you know how, for you to know how to price yourself, you're going to underprice ahead. Of, you're going to under, underprice in the beginning, and you're going to have to get completely new clientele when you're ready to level up. And it's going to feel awful. It's going to feel you're starting your business all over again because I did that too. Um, even though I did have that person that was ahead of me that I did work under while I was in school, um, I still priced too low. And so I had, to, I had to basically completely rebrand and restart my business again. It was a really difficult transition. So mm. that would be, that'd be a big step. So let's touch on the topic design. So obviously you went to design school and you studied the process and how it works. But my question is this, does somebody really need to go to design school in order to become a graphic designer? Or uh, is it an option to just skip that process and basically teaches himself and, and, and uh, get you get the education and the practice? Yeah. So there's people on both sides of it. Um, so if you're able to find a mentor, you're able to educate and school yourself to a level that builds you authority within your niche, then by all means go after it. You know, I would never tell anyone to go to school or not go to school based on their success level. School is not going to give you a job. Um, your dedication, your motivation, and your willingness to learn and to level up is what's going to create a business for you. So whether you went to school or didn't go to school, it's, it all comes down to what your level of design and effort is, right? Your skill set. So for me, um, I absolutely loved my process in school because it was completely all design related. Um, so I was able to fast track a lot of what takes a lot of other people a really long time to get to the level that I was when I came out of school. Um, but I was also very blessed because what well, my second year and my sophomore year, I was offered a junior designer position. Um, and so by the time I came out of school, I had done hundreds of ad designs um, with a designer, you know, who actually, that was her full-time job. And she took me under her wing while I was still in school as well. And then I was also doing side jobs, again, not for free. I, I knew kind of off the bat because of her to not do things for free. Um, she always told me, you know, don't, don't do that to position yourself in a way that you're going to have to then just get all new clients, make sure that you're getting paid for your value. And so when I came out of school, I really had a really solid portfolio that I was able to continue to move forward in my business with. 
Um, but again, there are people who don't, don't do that. They don't go to school. They, for design, they just, they maybe they went to school for marketing, but they love design. So they, you know, they mastered the programs. They spent a lot of time doing it. They've had awesome mentors to help them. They've, you know, maybe they've been on Linda and they've used Linda, which if you're not familiar with Linda, it's an incredible space for designers who are trying to level up their skills. Um, and they've been self-taught and again, their skill level speaks loudly. So they didn't need to take the school route because they didn't choose to do that. So I think it's really what works for you, just as long as you're positioning yourself in a way that moves you forward, right? So you can build strong relationships based on your work. You don't want to build negative relationships with clients because you weren't able to actually deliver. So Leela, as we wrap it up, um, I want to give something for our creative people who listen to the podcast, our freelancers here, um, who are at times, and I connect with them on a daily basis, I see that there's some misunderstanding of business skills. And I wanted to ask you, like, what are some trends you see out there in the in the design industry um, on freelancers doing it wrong or, or having issues in the marketplace? What is something that you would advise them to do instead or make them aware of, essentially? Yeah, you know, so being an entrepreneur isn't for everybody. And that's the thing. It's totally 100% okay without question if you love to freelance and that's what you love to do. Like stay in your space that you enjoy. And if that's what you enjoy, then 100% commit to it. Um, even though you may enjoy freelancing though, you do have to be careful about getting undercut for your prices. And this is something again that I see freelancers struggle with is they really struggle to get consistent pay. Um, and so it's something that I would encourage you in the freelancing space to just be reminded of, even though you don't own your own business, you're still entitled to the same fantastic pay that any other top notch designer is entitled to. Right. So, um, just to give you some actionable steps, if you're in the freelancing space right now and you're using some of the third party, um, uh, what do I want to say? Third party apps, their websites that people use the apps, right. To connect with jobs. Know sure. that there's kind of a, there's kind of like a mid-level standard that, you know, people will say to me, well, I know that everyone charges that price on there. So if I do more on that space, I'm not going to get those jobs, which I totally agree with and respect. I get that. There really is kind of this like underlying cost level over on those spaces where it's like, if you do charge more, you're not going to get the jobs. I get that. But if you are reaching a level in your career where you have tons of work under your belt, maybe looking at getting some larger, um, uh, contracts would be something for you to do. So going on actual job boards, like say indeed, or, you know, some of those spaces, there are corporate companies looking for remote contracted positions with designers and brand strategists and marketing strategists that are looking to bring on freelancers for say six months or 12 months for a project they're working on where you're going to have a higher level of pay. So hmm. that would be one of the things I would say to kind of look at and say, okay, if I'm not liking getting paid $15 an hour because I know the industry standard is 50 plus an hour, <laughs> right? Big difference um, here in the States. Um, you know, what do I do to get that 50 an hour? It's going to be to move to that next level. And so if you want to remain a freelancer, you don't want to start a business and start looking at getting contracts. And that would be, so that would be like my, I don't know, I guess you could say um, actionable step if you're ready to make that leap from those third parties to actual contracts if you don't want to be in business for yourself so guys that's pretty much it and thanks for tuning in on this amazing podcast episode interview with lila crawford i think she gave a lot of value out of this in this episode and provided uh, some professional creative freelancers with some 
some real world practical experience. And if you know one or two of these guys and you have them in your squad, hit them up and share this episode with them. I think every every designer needs to at least listen to this episode and see what he's getting, what he could get out of this. So essentially, please make sure to check it out on Facebook, on social media and see, see what he's got going on if that's something that you're into. And always subscribe to What's the Trend. Leave us a rating and I'll see you guys in the next episode. Take care until next time.